you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you, folks. I certainly hope this finds you well and in the arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're just coming on yesterday, I played part one of our 40th anniversary sermon that I preached with uh, up in Bemidji, Minnesota, at Bemidji Baptist Church. Debbie was with me. We had just got done with a conference there. We want to keep on playing that for you today. So listen in. The top number is me, the bottom number is my wife, and we're the pastor 24 hours a day. And Debbie, you can call us any of those hours and I'll come here. My wife will come here anytime, day or night. We love you. We want to help you. We're available. And I never forgot that. Now, nine months later, we're in Little Rock, Arkansas. And like all good pastors, it came time to move. And he handed me a filled out three by five card with my new church name and pastor's name and address and phone number. And he said, call him when he gets here. This is your new pastor. And he had us hooked right up there in Little Rock. And we had a guy who was in our church that was a chaplain in the Air Force because we were living at the Air Force Base working Army recruiting. And uh, I remember we got there, and my life was pretty good. I was going to every Bible study. Debbie would come to church with me because I'd take my son to church, and she was pregnant, uh, getting ready to have a baby, and actually had the baby. And, but we were going to every service, and our son Daniel was born. We were doing everything. We were around Christian people. We thought we were good Christian people. We were around everybody we could. Debbie would come to church. I remember one night I talked Debbie into coming to church, and an evangelist called and said, hey, I'm going to be in town. Can I preach? And the pastor said, yeah, and this guy jumped from pew to pew. I've never seen that before. Everybody's like, whoa, he's going to fall. No, he made it. You know, the whole room's like, I looked over at the pastor. He goes, I didn't know. I didn't know him. You know, like somebody told me he was a good guy. I didn't know he was going to jump all over the pews. Finally, he had to stop. And that kind of ruined that night for Debbie. And people were kind of like, whoa. Everybody's, and the kids are like, jump again, jump again. <laughs> try, try to do two pews, you know what I mean? Folks, and there you are saying, my wife's not saved, you know? And this guy's going, he's going, woo, he's jumping up like that. And you're like, whoa, this guy's nuts. But anyway, we kept going to church. Our church didn't do anything nutty like that. The pastor pulled out his book and crossed out his name. But anyway, we, uh, and, uh, uh, but I remember we had this chaplain who had a Bible study on post. He was a member of our church named Widow. And Chaplain Widow was the greatest guy, and his wife was dying of breast cancer. I mean, she was stage four, had metastasized throughout her whole body. And, and the, he was just the most wonderful person. He'd stop by and check on us. And Well, anyway, we got a call, like in the middle of the night, phone call. When the phone rings in the middle of the night, you're getting deployed or someone died. And sadly, Debbie's father had passed away. And I remember I'm trying to be receptive. I'm trying to be godly. And I said, Debbie... I said, you want me to call your priest? What do you want me to do? And she said, I want you to call the pastor. I want you to call the chaplain. So I called Chaplain Widow, and I mean, within a second, this is the middle of the night, he called back. You know, I beeped him, and I mean, in the middle of the night, he called right back. And he knew who it was, and he said, Doug, it's Bob Widow, what's going on? And I said, Chaplain, and he was also in a pastor role at our church, I said, Debbie, Debbie's dad passed away, and he started crying. He says, Brother Doug, I'm so sorry. Just never forget his heart, you know? 
And he saw me at the hospital, and his wife was dying. Everybody knew she was dying. He said, brother, don't worry about it. I'll call the pastor. He said, no. He said, my wife and I are sitting here talking. She wants me to come, and she's yelling in the background, Doug, I know where I'm going. Debbie doesn't. He's coming. I'll never forget the generosity of that woman. And uh, anyway, chaplain widow said, Doug, I got jeans and a T-shirt on. I've been sitting at the hospital with my wife. I said, come on. He came running over the house, and I remember by this time, Doug's awake. Doug didn't miss anything when he was three years old, and thankfully, the little baby was sleeping, and it's the middle of the night. By the time he gets over, I went down, it was like 3 o'clock in the morning by this time, or 4 o'clock in the morning, but I remember I had the door cracked to the bedroom, and Doug and I are in the door, and Doug, I mean, he was, he was at church. We were drugging him in church. He had a drug problem. We dragged him into Sunday school. We dragged him into, every, he's three years old. He's like, we saw Debbie get down and pray. And we saw the chaplain with his Bible open next to her. And Doug looks at me and says, Daddy, Mommy's getting saved. Mommy's getting saved. And I just never forgot that. I mean, the, the, the wind of the world just like blew by us. You know, here's God saving Debbie. All those prayers. I wanted to call that pastor in El Paso in the middle of the night and just say, listen, your prayers are being answered. I remember Debbie prayed to receive Christ. And we did everything involved with her dad's funeral. But he was so kind Folks, but when Christ came into our marriage, everything changed. And, and folks, you can have that. You can have that. You just got to invite Christ in like this couple. You just have to invite Christ into your marriage. You just have to make it. But look what it says. And both Jesus was called and his disciples. It tells us first. Secondly, in the first verse there, it says, In the third day there was a marriage at Cana Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. So we know that Mary was there. The Bible calls her the mother of Jesus. We know that in the flesh she was a great lady. She wasn't deity. Uh, she's not a god. But here she is chosen, the Bible says, right? And... Uh, and, and here's Mary, the mother of Jesus, and it says, And both Jesus was called and his disciples to their marriage, and when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, and this is not a slight, this is the way people talked back then. He said, Woman, what do I have to do with thee? Mine hour has not yet come. These are Mary's last words in the Holy Bible. This is her last words on earth. And, you know, we should take these words and cut them out and send them to everybody who believes Mary is deity. Or they should pray to Mary. But look what Mary says. And uh, in verse number five, his mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. I think Nike stole just do it for Mary. And, uh, but you know what she says? No matter what he says, Listen, he's God. I'm his mom. I know he's God. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Folks, if you want to have a good life, if you want to have a good marriage, if you want things to go all right, whatever Jesus says, do it. And uh, you just got to do it. You just got to trust Christ. Here's Mary saying, just do it. Whatever he says, do it. I think a lot about Mary because I think some people can be hard on her and then some people think she's deity. And, and Mary's just this wonderful girl really at that time. I, I know my Bible professor said maybe she was 13 or 14. I don't know. I learned a lot of things in seminary. You can't really find the age in the Bible. You just kind of guess at things. But I believe them. I believe this is a young lady who was wonderfully pure and honest and godly. And I mean, God just doesn't pick somebody. He makes you prepared. Her heart was right. And she was chosen. And here's a woman. And then, you know what messes me up too? She, so she, 
she marries Joseph. She has Jesus. He's the fleshly stepdad of Jesus. Can you imagine? Remember when they left him? <laughs> when they left him? Can you imagine that conversation? Joseph's like, listen, man, we have all these other kids. You love Jesus, our Lord. I mean, why didn't we leave another one of these knuckleheads down there? You could have left any kid at all. You left our Lord. God trusted us with him. What's wrong with you people? And uh, that always messes me up when I read they left him there. I mean, if you're going to miss a kid, you, you don't leave Jesus. You may say, all right, which one of these other kids, which one do we care about least? Yeah, leave that one. But take Jesus with you, you know? And, but here's Mary. And she's out here. She's at this wedding, which is an honor. It's always an honor to be invited to someone's nuptials. It really is. And she's there, and, and she wants to take care of the wine, which we know is fresh, right? They squeeze the grapes right away. When, You know, to get alcohol in wine, it gets fermented. There's a large process, and you leave a little ear to get. We know right away this stuff. I think it was fresh green grape juice, because I like that. That's, so in my mind, that's what's going on. But she says, whatever, the, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And look what happens from there. And then the third group of people. And this is a group of people that we really need to pay attention to because these are people that I think we need to emulate, and those are the motivated servants. And look what it says. So his mother says there in verse 5, uh, unto his servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And they were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews. They had been cleaned. They had been prayed over. They had been checked, containing two or three firkins apiece. So we believe that... Uh, a conservative estimate is uh, these, are, these are water pots that take three or four men to carry. There's probably boards that go through the handles. I've looked at some of them overseas. They're pretty big. They're like these big milk jugs, and one person isn't going to carry them. And, and take that into mind. I, I say that only so it makes sense to you here. Container two or three firkins. I believe there's up to 162 gallons of water they moved. So if you, can, if you can look at the terrain that time through eyes that are a couple thousand years old, you know a couple things. They would have a celebration somewhere in between where the outhouses are and where the water is way over here. That's how the Jews did it. So there's a well way, way, away, from the par, uh, way away from the party. And, and, and then there's probably outhouses and stuff where people bathe and stuff way away from the party. So you're not near any of this stuff you can contaminate. And, and, they tell, and he tells these servants... And, and, and I'm amazed by that. And they were set six water pots of stone after the manner of purifying the Jews, two or three Perkins apiece. Jesus shows up, the fourth group, but talking about this. Hey, folks, we'll be right back with you from Bemidji Baptist Church talking about our 40th anniversary and this special sermon. Doug will return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements. Here we go, folks. We're right back with you. The, the only one that matters, but Jesus saith unto them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them to the brim. And that's where I get stuck, friends. When I see that they put wood into these handles of the water pots, and four people walked across that desert terrain and kept those pots absolutely filled. They were filled to the brim. And, and I often think about my service to God. 
You know, you got to clean this. You got to do. And sometimes I'm, I get hate filled, or or I get a little bitter, or there's a root of bitter. Just being honest with you, I think some of you folks have been there, where you say things like, "Man, am I the only one who cleans the church? Am I the only one who does this? Am, am I the only one who teaches Awana?" And I think of those servants out there on that hot day, and they filled them to the brim because they knew that God was going to do a miracle with that water. They knew something was going to change. God asked for that water. It wasn't something we were doing for ourselves. It wasn't something I was doing for my family. It wasn't something I was doing for my neighbor. Those servants are saying, God wants that water, and God does stuff when he asks for something. And we're going to make sure they're completely full. And I learned some lessons from these people. This is what I wrote down. They obeyed God immediately. Well, in my life, when I've been asked to clean things at church or do things, I say to myself, man, am I the only one they ever call? You know what they said? Hey, God needs this done. We're going to do this for God. It's going to make a difference. The church, uh, the church is going to benefit. The church, we sang that song, is, a, is the bride of Christ. I want it to be perfect. I want to make a difference. I want it to stand out there. I'm going to just do whatever God has for me. Folks, if you can do that, you've got the heart of God. They didn't procrastinate. They communicated properly. They moved out. They didn't sit around and say, who's in charge? Who's this. Uh, they just moved out. They just took off to fill the water pots. There's no big discussion going on. Uh, they didn't wait. They didn't hesitate. And, and I'm moved by that. And, and, and I'm thinking as I think about them filling those water pots and bringing them back to Christ, I mean, here's these full to the brim water pots. And I know that doesn't maybe mean all that much to us. But there's all these people at a wedding, and they're out of stuff to drink. And they see these servants come back, carrying those pots, and just set them down. They had been purified. They had been blessed. The rabbis had did what they wanted to do, and they set them all in a row. And God turns them into wine, fresh grape juice, right? And they just totally trusted God with whatever was going to happen. And I believe there's a great blessing for those servants. I believe those disciples, those ones who hung tough, and, and I know Judas, I know, I get it. But I really believe these guys went through some stuff. We, we, we get, we're hard on Peter sometimes and, uh, you know, and, 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 and denying Christ, and, and we're, we're hard on Thomas, doubting Thomas, and we're hard. But you know what these folks did? They followed around Christ, and when it mattered, when there's a miracle getting ready to happen, they showed up. They did what they had to do. They didn't talk about it. They didn't hang out. And folks, I don't want you to miss out on a miracle. When somebody accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, don't think for one second that's not a miracle. When God brings people out, don't think for one second that's not a miracle. When God blesses a marriage, don't think for one second that's not a miracle. When someone comes to this altar and says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surrender to be in the ministry, I'm going I'm to do whatever God has for me, I want God to use me, that's a miracle. I met a young lady one time who came to the altar, I think it was like about eight years ago, and she said, Pastor, I believe God's calling me to be a missionary. She's on the field today. That's a miracle. She's out there making a difference. I remember men and women. Let me tell you, when we can be part of that, when God has a job for us, listen to what Mary said. Just do it. You know what, folks? There's going to be good days when you're doing stuff. There's going to be bad days. There's going to be weeks where no one gets saved. There's going to be weeks where a bunch of people get saved. There's going to be great blessings if we just hang in there. You know, folks, it's about hanging in there. and It's about trusting God. And I'm so thankful that God brought Debbie and I together and we had willing hearts. 
And, you know, when we first met, we're in different directions. We're just friends working together. And God knit us together. I'm so glad that happened. But you know what? In order to do that, we had to submit to God. In order to do that, we have to submit to each other. In order to do that on the bad days, we, we still got to make it seem like the good days. And on the good days, we don't get haughty. We don't get arrogant. We don't get messed up. We trust in God's perfect plan. So remember these groups of people, that married couple. Live like that married couple. If you haven't invited Christ in your marriage, invite him tonight. Don't wait. Maybe if you haven't said to God, God, I need a godly man. I need a godly woman. I need... Do it. God hears our prayers. And be like that married couple. Say tonight from this point forward. I don't care what's happening. You're like, pastor's right. Some things happen in life. And, uh, but boy, from this point forward, we can say it's going to be good. From this point forward, it's all about God. From this point forward, I can't, I can't, you know, what does it say in Philippians 3 where I, I you know, I, I've learned this one thing. I'm, you know, I'm not looking back, folks. Right. You know what the problem is? We're not pressing toward that mark. We're not, we're looking back. Yeah. These disciples, they didn't look back and say, hey, wait a minute, it's Thomas's turn to be on the front. And hey, wait a minute, you know, uh, maybe the other John or, or, or you know, uh, no. Let's just do this. Be like that married couple. Invite them in your marriage. Be like, you know, listen to what Mary has to say. You know, Mary's not deity. We don't pray to her. She, she never claimed to be deity. Men have done that to her. But you know what Mary's last words are? Whatever he says to do, do it. If Christ says it, do it. If Christ says it's true, believe it, do it. Listen to Mary's last words. And these motivated servants... Folks, I know the disciples didn't always get it right. Can I tell you something? We're not always going to get it right. But you know what? If we decide it's going to be about God, if we decide we're going to make a difference because God's in our life, if we go around and we don't shut off the light that's coming through us with sin, if we trust people, if we're able to defend our faith, knowing what, what God is, what God tells us about salvation, I believe God will honor that in your lives. I, I believe God honors those things, and it might not be tomorrow. It might not be next week. It might not be next month, but I'm here to tell you God's word never returns void. I'm here to tell you that God does the work. When he says he's going to do a work, he does it. When he starts a work, he finishes the work, and, and we're on our journey. And, and, and folks, I want to encourage you tonight. While you're on this journey, don't get, don't get sideways. Don't let the devil come in and say, well, you know, this person you're married to is not that great or, 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 or this church is, stop it. God never says that. You know, God's always looking forward. You know, if you ever get guilt from something you've done before, I'm here to tell you, if you gave it to God, it's not of God. God hides your sin as far as the east is from the west. Can I tell you something, friends? You know, God gives you conviction. Don't get me wrong. God will say you ought to be at church. God will say you ought to leave those things alone. You should leave alone. God will say, don't touch these unclean things. Don't do that. God will say, he'll tell you those things in your mind. Be a better husband. Be a better wife. Be a better person. Be a better human being. God does it. That's God. But as soon as the commentary in your life goes, remember what you did. Remember what family you're from. Remember how you don't deserve to be here. I remember years ago, I was down at a church, and it was a really big church in Florida. And I was so honored. What an opportunity they gave me to preach on this Sunday morning. 
And I'll never forget that I, I was all prayed up, as prayed up as I could be. I was begging God to use me. And I begged God the same way I'm, I'm, I had that same butterfly before I got up here. It's just every, that's the way preachers are, you know. And I had a little bit of a butterfly. But anyway, I got up on the, behind the pulpit there. And, and I remember I was sitting next to the pastor and nothing was going through me. And the pastor leaned over and said, are you ready to talk to thousands of people? He reminded me the TV show has twice as many people that are in the auditorium, which helped me greatly. And I remember as soon as I turned around, I heard it was almost audibly, look where you came from. You're nothing. What are you doing here? You got no right to stand up in front of those people. And folks, I let that go on for about 30 seconds. And then I remembered, and greater the is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And then I remember God would never talk that way when I'm getting up to talk to his people. And I said, God, in Jesus' name, I believe the devil's messing with me. I need you, Lord. Help me. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. And you know what happened? The devil went quiet. The devil has no power over God. And, and folks, quote the verses, even the little ones. Rejoice evermore. Whatever the verse may be, quote them. Jesus wept. The greatest verse in the Bible, I think. Jesus wept because Lazarus died. Jesus cares about us. Be that person. Would you stand with me tonight? Bow your heads. I'm going to get out of pastor's way, but I just want to pray with you tonight. Hey, folks, I hope this has been a blessing to you. We look forward to you coming back tomorrow. We'll have more information for you. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, Understand that there is a cost to our sin, as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.